focused in athletics, basketball, football. I played track all the way through high school, and that was all really all I cared about. Like I said, I was a strong Christian. I was saved from a very young age. But during those years, I was proclaiming his name, but not living as if I needed him. Um, I was living to get that Division One scholarship in football, um, to play at a high level and go somewhere and play Division One football somewhere. And for the most part... I was kind of fulfilling that. I was doing it on my own. I was like, sweet, this is working out. I'm getting recruited by lots of schools. I have a lot of choices. I'm going to go somewhere. And looking back, I just can't. I'm like, Spencer, what were you doing? I set my up myself up for failure so much that um, later on, I just, I, there was choices that I had to to make and to recover from because of the way I lived early on in those years. Welcome to the PC Youth Pod. This week we welcome our new youth pastor, Spencer, to our team, and we can't wait for you to hear more from him. Tonight, Spencer is speaking on authentically chasing the kingdom. Grab a Bible and something to write with as we get started. Wow. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I can't tell you guys what an honor, just even a privilege it is to just stand before all of you in a church that I've grown up in my whole life. I mean, I just, I've been feeling very blessed and like I said, just an honor to come before you guys and be able to serve you all. So I'm excited to get to know you all. I mean, I know a lot, a lot of you, but there's still new faces I see every week. Um, it's going to be a good journey. Um, tonight, I just want to teach a little bit out of the word, kind of introduce myself, share my story a little bit. There's going to be a lot of pieces to it. Um, but tonight I want to talk to you about authentically chasing the kingdom. Um, I'm going to share a little bit out of James chapter 2. That's where the bulk of it's going to be. Um, and if, actually, who brought their Bibles? Pastor Aaron's been talking about it. We need to build a culture here of journaling in the Word, bringing it here. Um, how about this? Everyone next week that brings their Bible, $5 Venmo, Cash App, whatever you guys got from me, out of my own pocket. Corey knows that's not that much, so bring your Bible and... Drown my bank account, I guess, five bucks to you. Uh, we got to build that culture. So if you can turn to me to James chapter 2, um, starting in verse 14 and 26, I want to read that and kind of start the night out that way. Um, starting in 14, uh, verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Um, in this, and there's a lot of translations, but in other translations, they say, does not have good deeds, does not live a lifestyle of of Christ. So when it says works, that's what he's referring to. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. In verse 18 it says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from, apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. If you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Another translation says, Even the de- demons believe that God is real and they shudder at his name. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And if you remember back in Genesis, way back in Genesis chapter 22, um, it tells a story of God calling Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, who he loved dearly. 
Um, and Abraham followed him all the way through that. And right as he was about to sacrifice Isaac, an angel came before him and said, do not lay a hand on that boy. Um, he said, you have followed your your father's um, calling and on your life, and he's going to bless you eternally for having that much faith in him. Um, was not Abraham our father again justified by the works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that. Faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scriptures fulfilled that set, what that says. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was also not Rahab the prostitute justified by her works when she received the messengers and sent them out to another by another way. For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from the works is dead. Um, it's a heavy, it's a heavy passage, and I, when Pastor Aaron asked me to speak on Sunday, um, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to preach about, but I knew I wanted to find a word that was deep in my heart and something that I have kind of been meditating on, and I just landed on this, um, and I felt like it was a very good opportunity for me to be able to share what God's been doing in me. Like I said, a lot of you probably know me pretty well, a lot of you I can't wait to get to know, um, but no matter what, where you are. There's a lot of things that I haven't been able to share that I'm excited to. Um, so from this passage, there's a few main points that I want to kind of dive into. Firstly, let's just get into story time. How about, does that work? Um, like Pastor Aaron said, I just graduated college. Uh, what was that, like two weeks ago? Um, George Fox University in Newburgh, Oregon. Um, it's a great place. I mean, I can't believe I woke up the Monday after. I was like, man, I don't want to go to school. And then I woke up and I was like, I don't have school today. And I just chilled for a week. It was the best. Um, but like I said, a few weeks ago, graduated. And obviously up until then was high school. I kind of want to talk about those those high school years and my early years in college. Um, this passage really was just striking me as I was reading it because it challenged me and kind of revealed to me that this is the way I lived for a long time. Um, I don't know if many of you know, but... In high school, like I said, I've grown up in this church, but in high school, I would proclaim Jesus. Yeah, I'd come to church every Sunday. Um, I love being here. I love the family. I love the connections that this church has shown me over the years. Um, but if I'm being very honest with myself, I lived for one thing, and that was football. Um, I was focused in athletics, basketball, football. I played track all the way through high school, and that was all really all I cared about. Like I said, I was a strong Christian. I was saved from a very young age, but during those years, I was proclaiming his name, but not living as if I needed him. Um, I was living to get that Division One scholarship in football, um, to play at a high level and go somewhere and play Division One football somewhere, and for the most part, I was kind of fulfilling that. I was doing it on my own. I was like, sweet, this is working out. I'm getting recruited by lots of schools. I have a lot of choices. I'm going to go somewhere, and looking back, I just can't. I'm like, Spencer, what were you doing? I set my, up myself up for failure so much that um, later on, I just I, there was choices that I had to, to make and to recover from because of the way I lived early on in those years. Um, so fast forward to the end of high school. Um, had a lot of choices to where I could go to school. And people tell you when you're getting recruited... Go to go play football somewhere where you can, where you could put, go to school at as well. It's not just football. And I'd be like, yeah, great. Like I'll go to school somewhere. But it was really, like I said, just football. 
Um, I had the opportunity to play at Boise State University. I was ready to go. Um, I was pumped. That's my, that was my goal the whole year, or all of high school, Division One football. And I, I mean, I was like, sweet, I did it on my own. God, thanks. You didn't really help me at all. I did it by myself. Um, and I think this moment was kind of the first little shake, a little bit of wake up that I had um, from God. And even then, I didn't think I realized it, but in, in hindsight, I realized that that's what it was. Um, I had told the coach, I'm ready, I'm coming. I had my visit there, and after I had basically said it's a done deal, um, George Fox had been recruiting me the entire time, and they're a small little Division three school in Newburgh. I did never wanted to play there. They were really friendly. The coaches were amazing, but I was never going to go. I didn't want to play Division three football if I could go somewhere bigger. Um, but I really felt... When making decisions, I was never the type of person to hear, go to George Fox, go to Boise State from God. It was always a piece that was kind of abiding in me when making decisions. And no matter how bad I wanted to go to Boise State, I couldn't get that piece from God. And it was, I was really getting irritated. I was like, come on, God, this is what I thought you wanted for me. I wanted this the whole time. Like, why isn't it, why can't, I can get your blessing on this. And this is the first time I audibly heard God say two words to me that kind of shifted my, um, my thinking for a while. He just said the two words, George Fox. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you don't want me to go there, right? Um, but like I said, I ended up there playing Division three football for a school of 3,000 people. Didn't want to go there. Um, and honestly, I was obedient. I committed there, did the signing ceremony, whatever. But for a long time, I was a little bit upset. I was like, come on. Like, all my friends would be like, why, why did you go there? That's so small. You could have played somewhere bigger. And... I didn't really know what to answer them. I just would say, I felt called there. That's, that was it. And I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, there's so much to the story that I wish I could share tonight. <laughs> um, long story short, I ended up there. There's a lot of other pieces that I'll get into. Um, but that was the, the first kind of encounter I had where I was like, okay, I'm doing what God told me to do, even though I wasn't necessarily happy about it. So the first point I want to make is, are you constant? In James, it's talking about living by faith as well as the way you're living your life. Are you living, is your lifestyle filled with Jesus or is it just saying, yes, I love Jesus on a Sunday and a Wednesday and over here, who, who's Jesus? And that's how I was living. Um, and this whole time, I'm just going to be preaching to myself, to be honest, because this was me the whole time. Um, but are we a constant people? Are we striving after Jesus every day of the week and overflowing with his love every day? Or is it just something that, yeah, we believe in him. It's convenient on a Sunday and Wednesday to worship him, but it's not convenient to tell our friends about him at school on the rest of the week. Um, <clears throat> back in James, in verse 17, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works with it, it is dead. Um, and I can't think of a better way to kind of Proclaim that you need you need Jesus in all aspects of your life, just not not when it's convenient. First um, Corinthians fifteen verse fifty eight says, "Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain." The whole time I was living in high school. I was telling myself, yeah, Jesus, you're blessing me with great skills in football. I'm giving it to you. It's all to you. All glory to God. Um, but truly, it was just to fulfill my own desires and play somewhere big. 
a life of fluctuation, which is what I was living, just sets you up for failure. And when I say fluctuation, I mean fluctuation in the way we proclaim Jesus. It's not a fluctuation, oh, I'm tired today, tomorrow I'm pumped. It's a fluctuation of Sunday, yeah, my hands are in the air, like, Jesus, talk to me, like, hit me. And then Monday, you're like, all right, how am I going to get this scholarship? Jesus, it doesn't really matter, I got it. Um, And like I said, that just really set me up for failure in the long run, that I had to learn and experience some things that were going to kind of end up shaking me. Um, The next point is separating yourself from culture. To live a life full of constant consistency, no fluctuation in Jesus, consistent love for Christ, overflowing. Um, We live in a culture where that's really difficult. It's obviously apparent. I experienced it in high school. I went to a public high school. It wasn't convenient for me to play football on a, in, a sec, in a secular campus and talk about Jesus all the time. That's not how you made friends in school. But it's an active choice to live full of Jesus every day of the week. And because of that, you're going to have to separate yourself from culture and what the world is telling you. In verses 19 and 20 in James again, it says, You believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder at his name. When I was reading that, I just paralleled that to the world. The world we live in knows that there is a God and that he is ruling, but they have done everything they can to diminish his name and make sure that nobody's talking about him. Even the demons believe and they shudder. So because of that, it was made very apparent to me In hindsight, again, this is all just me looking at myself from four or five years ago. You have to make that active choice to separate yourself. Sure, there's going to be lost friends. There's people you're going to be really close with that you've never talked to. I experienced that the other day. I've had really, I had a good friend group in high school. They were all good people, but none of them um, were strong believers. And once I had these experiences in college that kind of shifted me, um, I had to make that active choice to separate myself from what the world was telling me to do, what the world wanted me to do. Um, and I lost friends. I saw me and my brother were at, at McDonald's the other day, and we saw one of my friends from high school, and I haven't talked to him in like two years, and he was probably my best friend in high school. Still praying for him. Um, his Some of his family actually goes to this church, but praying for him and just all of that group of people that I was with to be, to rekindle that. But it was just an awkward moment. Like, they're doing things that, they, that I used to do with them and I'm no longer doing and it's just, it, it happens. But the result of that is much greater. The result of separation from culture is much greater than when you're in it at one point. Um, in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You guys may be, may be saying, well, Spencer, what was that, that moment in college where you got there and you, you, re, you realized you had to rely on God? Um, I got there. Let's go back to story time. <laughs> um, I got there my freshman year, um, started football. We were there a month early, started football. I was pumped. I mean, I was like, okay, I'm playing football. It's not where I wanted to be, but like, if I'm playing at a Division three school and I could have been playing at a D1 school, like, I'm getting a starting spot. That was my mindset. And still at that point, it was only football. Um, played my freshman year, 
Um, started a few games, which was, even at the Division three level, I guess was somewhat uncommon. Started a few games, um, had a few touchdowns. I loved it. It was a good time. Um, but the way I was living still, even though I felt I was fulfilling what God had for me, God, you told me to go to George Fox and play football. I'm here. I'm doing well. Like, isn't that what you wanted? I was still not living as if he was the reason I was there. Um, good game on Saturday. My friends would be like, hey, let's go. Let's go to the club or whatever. Not that I ever went to the club, but like that type of mindset. Hey, let's go celebrate. And you, you know what that means. I was never that type of kid in high school, no matter how much I was living for the world. I never got into that scene. Um, but in college, it became a much different animal. And it just hit me. Like I said, I was setting myself up for failure. Um, so that freshman year, I was proclaiming his name. I'm at church here a little bit every once in a while. Um, but on a Saturday night after a big win, I'm not doing what God wanted me to do. Um, somehow in the midst of all that, um, I met my now fiance, Corey. Um, when I met her, I knew right away that I was in a bad place. Like I've said a few times, um, I knew that at the moment from meeting her, I, I still had the spirit dwelling in me. It's not like I was absent from Christ. And I knew the spirit told me that She's different. She's not one to mess around with or manipulate. Um, and so I knew because I was in a bad place, I had no right pursuing her. Um, so I actually played with her feelings for a little bit, which is kind of messed up. And um, met her, approached her. for I've never approached a girl before. I approached her in the cafeteria, and um, which was scary. I don't know how I did that, even in the place I was in. Um, but... We were obviously both interested, but like I said, I was not in the place at all. Um, so I would ask, I would ask to hang out and then bail. It was just this not a good little trajectory to where we're at now. But, um, wow, there's so much to this story. Um, long story short, eventually I kind of got my head on straight and we, because I knew how special she was, I took so much time to just get to know her. I still wasn't in a great place when we met each other, but I didn't want to ruin anything, so I just got to know her really well, and obviously a lot has transpired since then. Um, but to kind of get back on course, to live like Jesus and to live for him is to reject what's easy. It was really, really easy for me to focus on football, and that's it. Um, it was really convenient for me to go to a party with my friends after a game on Saturday and celebrate the big win. It was really easy for me to make decisions of the world when I knew the whole time that I, that's not what I was called to do. And as I'm looking at myself in the mirror from, a, from years and years ago, I just see, Spencer, come on. Like You should have had it together so many different times and you didn't. So we are not called to conveniency. And I'm talking to myself again. Yes, cussing, just like your friends in the hallways, is very easy. And it's going to be very convenient. But is that like Jesus? Yes, sometimes you may feel justified when you are arguing and yelling at your parents and they are not making sense. But is that honoring to the Lord? Is that what he called us to do? Yes, Spencer, going to that party on a Saturday is very is very convenient and may help you fit in, but are you called to actually fit in? And I had to learn that a really, really tough way. 
Um, so after my freshman year, it's completed. Football season's over. Just get through the rest of the school. That's all I wanted to do. Get to the next next year. Sophomore year of college, football starting, and um, we're in fall camp again right before the season. And I already had a few concussions in high school, one in basketball, one in football. Um, and in fall camp, a few days before our first, maybe a week before our first game, I got my fourth concussion. I figured, okay, not a big deal. Just rest a few weeks and I'm back. Um, I didn't get better for a very long time. I actually had to see our team doctor, who is the Trailblazers team doctor as well. Um, so I'm obviously going to listen to what he has to tell me. <laughs> but we had a few meetings with him, me and my parents, and ultimately, long story short, he said, your football career is over. And I'm like, what, just a season? He's like, no, like you're never playing football again. And I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> like, that's why I'm at George Fox. Like, I'm at George Fox to play football. And at the same time, I never, in this moment in time, I didn't realize I'm probably at George Fox to meet my wife, to influence others, to be a light, to be to be like Jesus. Um, but in that moment, I was still confused. And it took so much grieving and pain and confusion for me to get to the point of realization that God didn't get me to George Fox to play football. You wasted that already. You didn't give me the glory when you were playing in high school and doing well. You didn't give me the glory when you let, I let you do good your, your freshman year. Football's over. That's kind of the conversation I had um, with the Lord. And that's when I started making the decisions, okay, I'm not here to be part of culture. I'm not here to 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 win the guys on my team. I'm here to win people towards Jesus and stand up for things that aren't popular. Um, and obviously there's going to be a lot of other, a lot of other situations and experiences that I had that caused that realization, but that's one of the big ones. This verse is one that I stuck heavily to once, when realizing that. In 2 Timothy, Timothy verse, or chapter 2 verse 22, it says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That is one, it's a popular verse, um, but it became one of my life verses at that moment in time. Knowing and reminding myself constantly after living a life for, for the culture, for the world, that that is such a good verse to remind me to get my head back on straight and flee from what I know is not good and what God has called me to do. Separation from culture is an active and purposeful choice that that may not be easy or fun, um, but once done, and not saying that I've done it great, but once I made those active choices, I can honestly say that the blessings that God has provided have been more than I could have ever, ever imagined. The next point I want to make is once, once you have separated yourself from what the world is telling you to do and, and how to live, you're going to be making that choice to live instead sacrificially for the Lord. Separating ourselves from culture is a sacrifice, um, but it's a sacrifice we're making to live more like, more like Christ. Just like in James when Abraham is saying, or when Abraham is referred to, he literally was told by God to take his son Isaac, who he loved, up to a mountain, build an altar, and sacrifice him. Like, that's a little bit extreme for today, 
I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> but just think about that. His son Isaac, he's about to kill. Because the Lord told him to as a test. And obviously, like I said earlier, as throughout the passage, an angel appears to him and says, You have been obedient. Do not lay a finger on your son Isaac. The Lord is going to bless you. Um, Jesus calls us out of comfort. That wasn't comfort comfortable for Abraham to be like, all right, like, come on, Isaac, like, we're going. <laughs> um, but the results of whatever sacrifice you are making to live sacrificially for the Lord are going to lead to more blessings than you would have had as part of the culture. Like I said, I've made sacrifices in my life. I still am doing my best to live as sacrificially as I can. But the blessings that I have received, Corey, provision, God delivering me from a really, really bad path that I could have ended up on, wisdom, confidence, security in myself. Even though I felt like I was good at football or whatever, I was never truly secure because I was living with my own strength, not the strength that the Lord can provide me. Once you live with that security from Jesus, it's... You can't explain it. And think of James writing this book. He was Jesus' own brother. He had every right to be insecure, his half-brother. Every right. He could have been seen as insecure. He could have been seen as comparing himself to the Lord. But instead, he is telling us to live sacrificially for Jesus. He's telling us to live with faith and live for Jesus. Not to just live by your faith. James is telling us that. And as I was writing this message and trying to figure out how I was going to share myself with you guys a little bit, I just felt God challenging me. Like, how did you not realize this multiple times? I was trying to poke on your heart a few times, but how did you not understand until I had to take away what you love most? Living sacrificially, separating yourself from culture is going to ultimately get you into the greatest run of your life. And... From this passage, I call it the chase. The chase is what we are gonna, is what we challenge ourselves to do every single day to be like Jesus. Our faith, like in James, paired with the good deeds or the good works is recipe for a Christ-filled life expecting eternity. Living for football or whatever your football is, I'm not saying those are bad things. I love football. I still watch it. But living just for that and proclaiming Jesus when it's convenient is not setting you up for eternity. And I'm very, very thankful that God made me realize that the way he did. Because I, w- I was on a path that could have kept going down. And without my, with my stupid ignorance, sorry for the French, I guess. But with, with my flesh and without God, I never would have realized that. Constantly striving to be near Jesus is the greatest decision I've ever made. In verse 24 of James chapter 2 again, he says, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. I tried to justify. I tried to say, God, I went to George Fox for you. Like, I sacrificed the biggest school that I wanted to go to. That was my dream. Like, I'm, I'm doing good, right? Like, you're still, you're still the king of my life. I tried to justify my faith for him. And do everything I else, everything else that I wanted during the week. Not by faith alone, but by our actions as well. 
it's heavy. I mean, even now, I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> the last point I want to make is the title of my message is Authentic Chasing for the Kingdom versus Artificial. I can't tell myself enough how artificial I was in my love and proclamation for the Lord. And I don't know about you, but now that I have seen myself in hindsight, I want to continue to run away from that Spencer as much as I can. I want to continue to challenge myself to be more like the Lord every single day instead of like Him one day and for the devil the next like I was. I want to encompass an authenticity for Jesus not when it's just convenient, not when it's not when it's easy, but when it's tough, when God's telling you to go talk to that person that you don't like and tell them about me. I want to encompass a radiation for the Lord that no one can help but notice when you walk in the room. Not that it's a confidence or or self-centered in your spirit, but that you have enough Jesus in you that he can't help but overflow in your life and people notice him. Just like our worldly relationships with our friends, with our family, those successful ones have no artificialness in them. So why would our relationship with the Lord have to be any different? If we want a successful walk with Jesus that's going to keep us on an upward path, it doesn't make sense to put him in a box when it's difficult and to open up, open him up wide when it's really easy. And honestly, I still struggle with it. I mean, it's, it's part of my human nature to, to be afraid in certain situations to be outgoing and go talk to someone I've never met about the Lord or to stand up in a situation that is very popular in culture and can hold the complete reverse belief. James 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves, do what it says. I think that's a very common verse and one that people use quite often. But I feel like it's often, read it, it sounds good, but do we actually do what it says? The, the, it says, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. If you just listen and don't act on it, you're deceiving yourself. Do what the word actually says. And that's just a proclamation that I would put on my own life to continue in that desire, in that, in that mindset. No, none of us are perfect. No, we're not going to have great realizations all the time. But the active choice of separating us, separating ourselves from what the world is telling us to do is going to be much greater than the, than the latter. Um, as Hardy and the worship band want to come back up, even in my own spirit, I just feel very, I feel stirred and I, I'm believing that, that the, that the Lord is working in a lot of you and stirring hearts and I just want to challenge you with this. It's not going to be a big, hey, come do this, come, come give your life to the, to the Lord, but I just hope that my, a little bit of my testimony, sure I'm going to be able to share more at further times, but I just challenge you with this, and like I said, I'm not perfect, I'm preaching to myself this whole time, um, but I challenge you to dig deep, dig and try to understand what God is trying to tell you in this moment, um, 
I just feel that it can be very easy, especially in a culture that we're living in today, where there's so many opinions. There's so many people telling you this is right, this is wrong, and it's a lot of people that you would look into or look up to and trust. But is what they're telling you, is what the world is saying, yes, it may sound good, yes, but is it lining up with God's word? And I just challenge each and every one of us to get into this book. Without this book, like I said, I was living for Jesus when I wanted to, and not when it was hard. It was hard for me to get into this book. It really was. It wasn't until I had life-altering moments in my life that I could go to Jesus and say, I have no idea what you want me to do in this moment, but God, fill me fill me with your spirit and your love and your your wisdom to understand what the next step is. And the more I got in here and just soaked it in, the easier those choices became. Like I said, I felt immense amounts of provision in my life after making big, tough, hard decisions to step away from friends that I had known and loved for years. It sucks. I'm sorry. Like, it was really hard. But that struggle is never going to come close to the amount of love that I have felt and the amount of blessing that I have experienced. I don't deserve Corey. I don't deserve to be here in front of you. I don't deserve anything that God has given me, but because he sacrificed himself for all of us, we are able to live a life full of abundance, overflowing amounts of joy. So I don't know if you guys would stand with me as we just prepare to go back into worship. I would just challenge each and every one of you to to make a step. I don't know what that has to look like. Step out in faith. Just have a conversation with God. I would challenge you to, to dig deep. Look what he's trying to do inside of you and just, just recognize his love for you and his joy. Each and every one of us are, we're here for a reason. We're not here by accident. Everybody says that. I remember growing up in the youth group, the pastor would always say, you're all here for a purpose. And I would be like, yeah, come on. I'm just here because my parents brought me here. No, we are here for a reason. Jesus has in incredible amounts of love for you and he wants to deliver you from things that you never thought you'd be able to be delivered from on your own I never thought after wasting so much of my life that I would be able to to recover from that I made stupid decisions in high school in the early college years but it wasn't until God just sweeping in and fixing everything granted I'm still working on a lot of things but fixing and mending pain that I realized, all right, God, you can do it. Like, my life is yours now. And it wasn't his for a long time. To stay caught up with us as a youth ministry and our church, go to PC Youth Salem on Instagram or check us out at peopleschurch.com.